I'm not a queer podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Why? Why Not? A Queer Podcast. Episode 30. Ooh. Or as my aunt would say, 29 again. Ah. As my roommate would say, I'm 27. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, No, she ain't. Ah, no, she is not. Um, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the next episode. 30, that's a lot. That is, that is. Uh, for age and for casting. It's like seven. <laughs> I don't know what the proper term for that is. I guess podcasting. That would be the proper term. Uh, that's without any wine. Yeah. And that's a couple of sips. It'd be a good episode. We're a few sips in. Oh, okay. Oh, this is going to be a very good episode. Um... What we're going to talk about in this episode has me so giddy. <laughs> we're going to talk about one thing. Not, <laughs> the book is, I'm like, giddy about oh. the book. It's the, the movie. But uh, we're going to talk about some fun stuff. Uh, I thought you were giddy about something else that we're going to talk about before we get there. I have what? already forgotten. <laughs> already forgotten. We'll, we'll get there in, in due time. I just like to point out, um, you know, I won't say this every episode, but I just want to point out that... Uh, we do have an email address that you can email us uh, suggestions or thoughts on what we're talking about. That's WWN at watermarkonline.com. Yeah. And you can reach out to us on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook and starting today, Instagram. Oh, has it started or is that like starting today, like later on? By the time someone listens to this, there will be an Instagram. <laughs> My plan was to do it after. I don't think the- that's going to happen today. Why? Because you're gonna drink a bottle of wine. Oh, think. that's the best. That's the best time for me to, to open up an Instagram. The first thirst traps of Rick and Jeremy will be posted today at six thirty. <laughs> uh, you know what? I didn't log out of everything, so there might be some beeps going on throughout this. But I'll I'll, I'll try to get to it. So, how was your week? What'd you do? Uh, my week was pretty good. Um, did a couple of things. Uh, uh we did uh, one thing together. Um, I guess we'll get to that. Um after we each talk about our own weeks, but we went to that, uh, the Broadway event. Um, but that same, it was actually the same day. I, uh, I took Friday off cause I had to do a, um, had to go to a doctor's appointment. I've been having these bouts of dizziness. Um, so they wanted to test me for vertigo. Have you ever been tested for vertigo? I have not. They, uh, and I respect doctors and nurses and medical professionals, but, um, uh, they are assholes when they give you a vertigo test. <laughs> they, they, their intention is to make you nauseous and dizzy uh, to see if uh, if it's vertigo or if it's just the fact that they put their hands on your head and shook you real hard. Uh, but I had to do like all these tests where, you know, you like spin around and they lay you on a bed and you have to jump up real quick and turn your head to the left, turn your head to the right. Um, it was annoying. It was it was terrible. Um, and then, uh, and then I had to do some hearing tests and I did, I spent whole more, all morning at the VA doing all these tests. I felt like that scene in Exorcist when they bring Linda Blair in and they're like doing all the machine tests and they're like, what's wrong with her doctor? I kept hearing that voice in my head. Did you, did you feel at any point that none of this was real and they were just making, they were just poking fun and there was, okay. I don't know if you were a a Buffy watcher. uh, I was. Uh, there's an episode uh i think it's season five or six i just want to make sure that we're we're talking about the vampire slayer right? yes, yes. Oh, okay yeah yeah i watched that. buffy not buffet um <laughs> but i was is... also a big fan of the buffet 
I, I enjoy Ponderosa. Mm. Uh, oh, that was Golden Corral. That was always my go-to. This will tell you. This will tell you how, like, growing up. I'm sure my mom will hate this that I say things like this, but we just didn't have a lot growing up. So when we would go to Ponderosa, that was a fancy night out. I think we've talked about this in the '80s and '90s. There were restaurants we would go to that were quote unquote fancy that kids these days laugh and mock at us. Like Olive Garden, <laughs> Garden. Red Lobster. That was that was like you got a, a straight A's on your report card and, you know, the queen came into town. It's when you went to Red Lobster. <laughs> and now when I talk about Red Lobster, people are like, that's not even real seafood. And, have you been? It's, it's sort of like know. seafood. Have you been lately? Oof. I can't remember the last time I went. But I mean, in our childhood, it was good. That was fancy yeah. eating. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's this episode of Buffy <laughs> where she wakes up in a mental asylum and they're trying to convince her that the entire show of her being a vampire slayer and having all the friends and they fight demons is all in her head and she's actually in this mental institution. And every time I am at the doctor's office, I think of that episode and I was like, what if it's all in my head? What if everything, <laughs> this podcast, this job, Everything is just me in my head, and all I need to do is wake up. And I was like, no offense to my life, but the shitty upbringing I've given myself. I mean, <laughs> I didn't make myself rich or famous or popular or thin. I really did a disservice to me to myself if this is all in my head. You know what's interesting is that I, I think it, it was brought on by the aliens. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, the, the ones that actually exist. This this, uh, this podcast has taken a very weird <laughs> turn into science fiction. But what if, you, you know how they, there's all this stuff that talks about, what, you know, how like on the other side of, of life, that time is, is irrelevant. It has mm -hmm. a different thing. So so you could die tomorrow and then everybody else you know is, is already there because time is relative. And it, it makes me think that maybe... We're all just living inside of a video game. And so, and this is this is just the thing. And you play the game until you're done. And, and then you go back and like all the people you know are there because it's kind of built around the life, the people that you know and that are familiar. And, you know, and that's why they're all there when you die. Because the game over. Yeah, it would explain a lot of the stupid shit that happens in our, our world today. Um, right, that like makes somebody's sense. like, oh, life's going along really well. Let's throw in a Donald Trump. Yeah, it's... um. Again, back to the, uh, why would we do this to ourselves? It's like, we got to come up with better games then, because this game sucks. Anyway, how was your week? Uh, it <laughs> Did was we finish my week? Yeah. Did we? we? All right. How was wow, your this week? <laughs> welcome to our 13-minute episode of <laughs> Oh, no. I, uh, we need, I have 13 pages on a movie that we watched, so we just... Oh, <laughs> goodness. I, I, you know what? I, I didn't write anything down about that movie, because oh, really? I said... Jeremy's going to say everything he's going to say about I it. I wrote it down just because I had to organize my thoughts because they were all over the place. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. You make sure you don't drink too much of that wine <laughs> before you hear what I have to say about that movie. <laughs> all right. So anyway, um, yeah, my week was like yours yeah. pretty much because we, we, we kind of did the same thing. This is what's terrible. We don't know what conversations that we've had on this podcast or what we've just had talking. Uh, so we shouldn't talk to each other ever. Yeah, it just all here. blends together. In fact, earlier this week, I went to tell you a story. I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this to you or if I have to wait till we're on the podcast. <laughs> Do you remember what it was? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I have to write things down throughout the week. Uh, but I w I'll just say this. Like that thing 
We went to on Friday. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really good. So yes. the thing on Friday was a show we've already talked about because we, we yeah it was uh, filmed in June. Was it June or was it further than that? April. I, I don't remember. Time. Is I don't irrelevant. remember talking to you. So I don't remember. All right. It. So this was something Math that was filmed by uh, previously. Yes, previously <laughs> uh, by the local PBS station here, WUCF, and it was um, what was it called? I wrote it down. Hold on. Oh, I've got my notes covered up. That's why I don't know. It was called Broadway's Brightest Lights. And uh, it was Broadway stars, and they were here with uh, a conductor who's gay and famous. Name escapes me. Um, but uh, but he's they, with the Pops. What are they? Uh, American Pop. American Pop. And uh, yeah. So and they did a show. We were in the audience. They filmed it for PBS, and it premiered this past week. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Premiered. Last night. Um, so we went last week to an event where they were doing a screening at Lou Gardens, uh, and we got some more PBS swag. And uh, watch the show. I would like to say the first thing that I noticed mm -hmm. is that they renovated the room. Yes, this is the same room at Lou Gardens that you got married in. Yeah, that my reception was in. Yeah. And I remember it being beige and greens and like, okay, this will do. This is fine. And now it's effing gorgeous. Stunning. It is gorgeous. It's Beautiful like room. Silvers like and gray. Stencil leaves on the wall. It's and there's, there's like chandelier -y things. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much they charge you, but they use that money to renovate the room. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Somebody's like, you should, you should say you want your money back. You know, what? I just recently learned that a, a friend of mine from high school is now the executive director there. Mm. So I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna send her a picture of my wedding photo and be like, look what's happened. You know what she's gonna say? This is before my time. I don't care. Renew your vows. That's yeah. what she's gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you the six hundred dollars. Yeah. You can yeah. renew your vows. Now, now it's double because they had to <laughs> renovate. Beautiful room, though. That's and so great event. Um, we sat, we watched it. Um, it was, yeah, I just want to say, like, I just, I love Broadway so much. It, it's so in interesting. Like, I'm, I'm watching Megan Hilty sing, which we saw live, and it was stunning. Yes. And it was still stunning, even though the film was cutting out, um, you know, throughout the show. Yeah. But it was, it was just stunning. And I started thinking about all of my life choices and one in particular that I, I must say this right i want to say this because i know people who know me listen to this i love my life my life is fine i'm not complaining about my life i'm just saying there was a time in my life where i worked for the lion king on broadway and i got free tickets to all kinds of shows when i lived there and i left that mm -hmm. and and at the end of this show for whatever reason it was this show that did it i was like why did i leave yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a. I've only been to New York once for a few days in the winter, and I still enjoyed it. So I can't imagine why you gave that life up. I mean, I'm not mad. Oh, yes. I, uh, yeah, this is why I gave it up. <laughs> this right here. No. <laughs> it's fine. No, um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not there because like a couple of years after we left was that big blackout. And mm. that would have been some scary stuff. And then COVID, you know, oh, I'm glad yeah. I wasn't there for that. I'm glad I was here. So it's all good. I mean, life has worked out pretty well, so I'm not complaining. I just love Broadway so much, and I was there. Yeah. And I was like, see ya. Yeah, we all make choices in our lives. Yeah. That we look back and we're like, why did I do that? I had a cushy job in the Air Force, and if I had done my full 20, I'd have retired two years ago. So uh, here I am drinking wine with you, five. I appreciate you saying that. 
Because it's not a competition, but you're way dumber than me. <laughs> <laughs> so did you happen to go see um, Haunted Mansion? No. I went to go see it. No. I just want to give it a little shout out because it's a lovely, lovely movie. I imagine based on the box office, I'll be able to watch that on Disney Plus next week. Do you think so? <laughs> it, it bombed. Horrible bomb. It was so good. I, you know, I guess I could see. I should have looked up what the uh, Rotten Tomatoes was on it because Jen and I were laughing. She, This is her second time seeing it, my first. And we just laughed the whole time. It was yeah. really cute. And yeah, I really I know liked that it. because um, I've seen the Eddie Murphy one from the 2000s, whenever that movie came out. Um, and I know that that was um, kind of from what I've heard people say, because I'm not a big fan of the ride. I'm not like Disney obsessed like a lot of people are. But um, that there's not, it's basically just Haunted Mansion in name only. The, right. the Eddie Murphy one, but that this one has a lot of references to the a ride. A ton of them. And that if you're a Disney fanatic and that you absolutely love the Haunted Mansion ride, that this is a really awesome movie. Outside of that group, <laughs> I hear the movie's not so fun. I, I don't even understand that. I thought the acting was incredible. Uh, and I'm not, I wouldn't describe myself as a Disney fanatic. I go to Disney, I have an annual pass. I go a lot. I, I watch a lot of the movies. Hmm. Did I just describe a fanatic? Let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. If you were, from this podcast, going to head home, grab your bags, and get on a plane to go anywhere in the world, what does your bag look like? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I think you might be a little dizzy with that. <laughs> look, I, I needed a suitcase, okay? I... I needed a suitcase, and I get 30% off at Disney, and so it was cheaper for me to go to the world of Disney and buy a big old Mickey Mouse suitcase. I'm sure it was first. Secondly, I don't think you've checked out the prices of luggage at Walmart, because that's just uh, pretty cheap. Well, yeah. I wanted... But you know what? You got one that you bought it. You, you identify. <laughs> I'm it's... like, where is this question going? <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Okay, so... Anyway, I love the movie. I thought it was great. It's very touching. I will check it out. It's not something I will go see in theaters, but that's mostly because, and we've talked about this, because of how crazy and nuts people have gotten since COVID, um, nobody knows how to behave in a theater. So it takes a, a movie that I'm super excited to see to get me into a theater now. The, the, fam the family, the entire family next to me, starting with the father, who was an older gentleman, and then the kids and the mom, and every one of them were on their phone. I mean, he. I looked. I just started staring at his phone. He's just scrolling through things. It's not like he got a message and was like, "Oh, I have to respond to this." He's just like, "Oh, what can I do now? I'm just gonna go shopping." That's annoying. That's it's annoying. so annoying. Did anyone take selfies with the screen? Not that I noticed. Last three movies I've seen, people taking selfies with the screen. It's my new. It's the new thing in my life that um, irrationally uh, infuriates me to the point where I. I want to scream and hit someone. You know, there's, you know, those like laser pointers, mm -hmm. right? That that have the the red dots that you can. They should have those, but that gives out like electronic pulses and shuts people's phones off. And so you should be oh. able to have that. Just as a different direction than we were going. I thought we were strapping shock collars to everyone, and I was down <laughs> for it. As <laughs> I like, give me that button. Yeah. Or I think what we need to do. This is like this is a terrible thing for an alcoholic to say because isolation is terrible for an alcoholic. But if we could just like build like a, a two or three person 
home theater with the reclining seats and a big screen at my mm-hmm. house, I would never have to leave. Yeah. That's how every movie should be watched with me and two other people. Maybe a fourth. Yeah, I am. If everybody puts their phones down on the way in. Or maybe that's a thing they could do. You know, they do that. They did that at the Broadway show we went to. Everybody had to put their phones yeah. in a pouch in and a little locked lock it up. A lot of live shows, comedians, um, I know. Um, you know one comedian that doesn't do that? <laughs> Who's that guy everybody's in love with right now? <clears throat> Matt Riff. Like, I don't oh. know why. What a scruffy, weird, shitty way for me to say it. Or is it Rife? Rife. Yeah. He, um, <clears throat> Sorry, I had to cough at that time. That sounded like I have beef with him or there's something. There's nothing but video clips of him from people's sounds everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I maintain this. Um, I've seen a lot of his comedy clips. Uh, that man is not funny. He's hot. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who are willing to laugh at someone who's not funny just because they're hot. Well, everything I that I've it. seen is like his... I, I, I find him funny, but it's because he's making fun of people and... I find that funny. So, yeah. and I think that a lot of his humor, that the only the stuff I've seen is like he's not really telling jokes. He's just like, okay, it's all interactions. It's with all the interactions. Audience. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of cool because it makes every show interesting and different. It reminds me of Lisa Lampanelli, but she had a she had a storyline. There's another person who I did not find funny, also not attracted to. So it wasn't that whole. I'm gonna laugh at her jokes because she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll continue to laugh at match jokes because I'm sorry he's hot. He is. Hot. I think that there is this that alcohol can make anyone funny. That's not, true. Not maybe if they I, drink it, if I drink it. Maybe I should drink before I scroll through TikTok and look at some of these comedians. They'll be funnier. <laughs> I used to get so drunk at Lisa Lampanelli concerts that I forget that I went, and it would always make me mad because I'm like, she's so funny, and then I forget the show. Yeah. So anyway, um, a conversation that we had. That we can't recall whether that was on this podcast or in real life. Uh, oh yes, is that you brought up that you saw a TikTok video of someone making something called? It, it, you know, what's funny about it is that it's this famous dish that Southerners love, and you and I have lived in the South for most of Decades. our lives, and, and we never have heard of never heard of it. And it's a pineapple casserole. So why yes. don't you tell people? All right. So what... there's this TikToker. Um, the name of the TikTok. Uh, account is called josh and mama and all it is is josh this white boy filming his white mother making some of the most basic white lady dishes um no surprise a lot of them have to include mayonnaise they all have cheese on them they're all some sort of casserole that she pours cheese or layers slices of cheese onto um no seasoning. Any of the videos I've seen, she doesn't season anything. It's all bland. It's all gross. It's all disgusting looking. And well, it's... Have, did you see her husband in the one video? I don't yeah, think. He, I, I don't think he can have spice. Like, nope. I don't think he can have spice. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no salt, no sugar. No Allegedly, if she's listening, <laughs> and he can eat all the um, spicy. Anyway, I'm not convinced that this is all a shtick of theirs to get views because. Even for the most basic of white ladies, this is terrible. So this video, she's making dessert uh, for that night. And she's going to make this pineapple casserole. So she opens a can of pineapples and she drains the juices. And then she dumps the tidbit pineapples into a casserole dish. She takes the juice. She adds some sugar. She adds some flour. She whisks it up. She pours it over the pineapples. Then she gets out craft single slices and layers craft single slices on top of the pineapple goop, telling her son, 
It's a casserole. It has to have cheese. All, all casseroles have cheese. First of all, I don't think that's true. I will find you a casserole that does not include cheese. I bet, I bet if you do find one, I can tell you that it probably should have cheese. Now, are we, I gotta ask her, are you being in the cheese family? So like cream cheese? Um, okay, cream, yeah, I cream, think so. Does that count? I think because it was. she she throws craft singles on everything. So she layers craft singles and then she layers So reminds me of the Goldbergs. And she makes <laughs> she makes like shrimp parm. <laughs> that sounds so gross. I just don't get it. So she layers um Ritz crackers on top. She didn't crumble them. She takes the individual crackers, she layers on them, puts it in the oven, uh time jumps, she pulls it out, and she starts digging out this casserole that is just, I mean, she scoops out the pineapple and the cheese and the crackers. And then there's like just the pineapple juice. And she scoops it out and starts spooning it on top of this crap. And she's eating, she's like, mm, this is so good. And it made me nauseous. So I told you about this. <laughs> yes. So you tell me about it. Yeah. And then, so let's fast forward now a couple of weeks. So I don't know when we had this conversation. Um, but I, I, we go to the show on Friday night, yes. right? And at Lou Gardens and on the drive home, I'm sitting there listening to every Broadway musical song I've ever loved thinking like I should be in New York. I should be oh my seeing God. Did shows you start all the time. singing like a, uh, a bell from Beauty and the Beast <laughs> song about this poor provincial town I live in. <laughs> uh, no, it's more like Kim from Saigon oh. or, you know, um, it was basically Les Mis. You could listen to the entire soundtrack of Les Mis door to door from Orlando to St. Pete. Interesting. Uh, but I fast forward a lot, so I got some Miss Saigon in there too. But um, so then I go there and and I realize that when I get there that my husband is got a thing to do all day the next day. So I'm really only driving to St. Pete for a day and a half before I have to come back here so yeah. that we could do this podcast. And the whole day that he's going to be off um, at some class he signed up for. And so, which is fine. And I'm just like, okay, well, what am I going to do all day? So I, at some point, decided I'm just going to start cooking a bunch of stuff that I've never made. And I thought, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this pineapple casserole. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at it in front of me. You obviously did not use the Josh and Mama recipe. I I tell you what, it's the it's the exact same ingredients that they use. Right. But here's here I'll tell you the difference. Well, same types of foods. It, right. Right. Because right. you didn't use craft. I didn't singles. use craft singles. I used um, Sargento sharp cheddar. Okay. And the other thing I did is I drained the pineapples. So to help it get some moisture, she just used pineapple chunks. Yeah. I used pineapple chunks and crushed pineapples. And then just mixed sugar into that. It's really pineapples and sugar. So did you watch your video and say, I'm going to take these ingredients and, and make, make my own? No, I looked it up. What recipe did you use? Do you remember? No. I mean, I could find it if I, I just Googled, uh, I Googled um, pineapple casserole recipes. Yeah. And there were, and I, when I do this, I always look for the recipe that has the highest rating with the most number of mm, that's uh, reviews. Yeah. Cause there was a couple of recipes in there that didn't look too bad. The pictures there was like a southern living one there was a paula dean one there was a there was enough on there that made me think how have i never heard of this before i think this might have been paula dean inspired because of the last step of this recipe so it's just pineapples and sugar i'm gonna assume it had something to do with butter <laughs> the thing <laughs> the thing that the thing that's weird to me is the cheese why yeah. is there cheese involved so anyway well according to josh's mom 
It's a casserole, Richard. Right. It has to have cheese. <laughs> I don't disagree with her. I do not disagree at all. So so it's the pineapple layer, then it's cheese, mm-hmm. and then I crumbled up the Ritz crackers. Smart. And then you take like a stick of butter and you melt it, and then you drizzle the butter on top of the crackers and okay. you bake it for like 25 minutes. It and so so, so nervous. I know. So oh, so you all don't know this because you can't see in front of us. I brought it in. Yes. And I'm going to make Jeremy eat it. And we waited until this podcast so that he could eat it and give... I hope it's still a little warm. You heated it up, and we're now 24 minutes into this podcast, which means it's probably lost some of its heat. <laughs> Let's give it a taste. Right, we'll do it at the same time. All right. Ooh, that's firm. <laughs> I should apologize in advance for the eating sounds. What are your thoughts? Uh, hmm. I don't know if I hate it or not. <laughs> Let me take another bite. I want to tell you, while you're taking your other bite, uh, I described this to Jen when I made it. And she she sent back meme after meme after meme saying, no, 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 and pictures of things throwing up. So I made it, and Dylan and I ate it. And the, when you eat it right out of the oven, it was good. It was really good. So then Jen was like, no. And I said, I'm going to bring some to you. I also made like um, sticky toffee pudding um, with this awesome drizzle to go over it. And I told Jen, I was like, I'm bringing some of that to Orlando. And she's like, awesome. And I was like, but I'm also bringing pineapple casserole. And you can't have the sticky toffee pudding unless you eat the pineapple casserole. So, so she's like, no. And she get. So I made dinner last night, and then I put this on there, and she ate it, and she's like, oh my god, it's delicious. I don't understand. It's like you can, I don't, this is a little more, like if I just made it fresh, it'd be different, because you can you, you get the crunch of the cracker, you can taste the cracker, you can taste the cheese, you can taste the pineapple, everything separately. But it's it's bizarrely good. I will say, this is the second savory sweet thing that I have been uh, presented with in the last couple of months that surprised me. This and the pickle milkshake. Um, it is surprisingly tasty. It's um, it has a faint taste of if like you eat like southern mac and cheese. It's got that crunch, buttery, crackery yeah. crunch on top, and it's got the cheesiness. Um, but then you get that burst of sweetness from the pineapple. I don't hate this. <laughs> that being said, there is no way in hell I would eat Josh's mom's <laughs> no, and, broccoli and I saw, or pineapple casserole. Yeah, her problem is that she uses the juice and that she doesn't she doesn't break up the crackers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, no wonder the man pro- sitting on the chair. Problem, her first problem is that she she has no flavor. She needs to add a little flavor in her but there's, life. Yeah. But the, for this recipe, there's nothing. It's it's really just those ingredients. It's sugar, cheese, crackers, and pineapples. That's it. I'm baffled. I am baffled. What else have I been missing because of my ignorance to not blend my savory and my sweet? <laughs> did you did you did you see that thing that Ryan sent us today about the the pickle shake? No. What did what Oh, did it's on um it's, it's it's people should know this we have this chat between ryan and jeremy and i and all we do is send funny pictures and memes 
and Jeremy never looks at them. And it's really no, no, just no. Ryan and I laughing. Jeremy never looks at them outside of work hours. <laughs> <laughs> because Jeremy does not keep Facebook Messenger on his phone. So I see them in the morning when I come in. Um, what is this? Oh, is this the Instagram thing? Is that what he said? I think so. It's that thing of that little girl eating uh, something and trying to pretend that it tastes good. And it says on there, like, uh, oh, food Disney, influencers. Disney influencers trying new pickle milkshake at Disney. <laughs> trying to act you like know, they like it. How dare he? As someone who has not had one. Those things are actually really good. Did I think, they almost kill me? Yes. I think I would like it better if I didn't have the wings and yeah. if I took the dill off the top. Yeah. pull the, the, the. That's my advice. Do not eat them with the ridiculously spicy wings and pull the dill off top. <laughs> Just pull the dill. Pull the dill. Speaking of pull the dill. <laughs> movies. No. <laughs> What do you want to talk about first? We're gonna get into uh, this. Let's talk about the book first. We talked we so so our assignments we were are to to watch Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is a yes, movie on Amazon. Which is a new movie uh, on Amazon Prime. And and then we read slash listen to Brandon Wolf's new book, A Place for Us. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about a place for us. And I gotta say, every time I mention the name of this book. I start singing West Side Story in my head. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, every time. <laughs> then I, I go to look it up, and there's uh, there's other books. There's another book called A Place for Us. There's about 30 books called A Place for Us. You have to put A Place for Us either. This is the, These are the two searches. A Place for Us, Brandon Wolf, or A Place for Us, Orlando. Both of those will bring up Brandon's book. Yes. Yes. So um, I do want to say, as, as a disclosure, <laughs> we're going to talk about this. We, we both know Brandon. Yes. So it's we never really well. We talked about Gidget being on that show, um, and we know we know Gidget. So, but we don't know Brandon. We don't. I mean, I don't hang out with Gidget either. But you're really close with Gidget. Um, we know Brandon within activism circles. Right. We don't like go to dinner together. We don't grab a drink. We'll see each other out at events, and we'll catch up. He was not with me when I went to see Haunted Mansion. Right. Yes. He was not with me when I. Um, saw people taking selfies at Barbie. And, and he hasn't tried my pineapple casserole. Although, Brandon, if you do listen to this and you have had pineapple casserole, shoot us an email. Let's yeah. Know. It's WWN at Watermark. Swing by. There's still some left. If anybody out there has a recipe, there is some left. There's plenty. It makes a lot. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, if you get a good recipe for it, shoot it, shoot it over here. Yeah. Not just a, a, a pineapple involved. Anyway. The thought of using sliced cheese on this makes me so disgusted yeah. I but i probably watch. would like it if it was Velveeta cheese slices mm, no. i might i no. might you're gonna say that i'm gonna make it with Velveeta cheese now no nope. you eat it okay you know what i want you to make it exactly like she made it no. and then we'll try it i can't i can't it's too much juice i will bring the fork you bring the spoons okay all anyway, right anyway we, we're past that Brandon so Wolf. so a place for us it's brandon wolf's memoir I imagine yes. it is the first of what will be many books that he puts out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I imagine that he will write more. This is his first, it's a memoir of his life um, prior to Pulse, uh, what happened to him at Pulse, and then uh, the aftermath. Um, it's 200 pages. Um, it's his very first book. And uh, it was released on July 1st. And you can pick it up wherever books are sold. Also, um, there's an audiobook which he reads. Um, and we both not only, uh, got the book and reread it, but we also listened to the audio book. Um, 
I don't I, know if you did it simultaneously. I uh, find that when um when I when I have to do, just so people know, I don't know. Does anybody care about this? I was a really good math student. Like I'm fantastic at math. But reading when I was in kindergarten I did that whole Pizza Hut read a bunch of books things. Yeah. Um but once I got out of kindergarten <laughs> I could probably count on one. Once I finished all the Dr. Seuss books, I was like, <laughs> I am good. Yeah, I think maybe I did a book report in the sixth grade about a book called Island of the Blue Dolphins. And I since then, I've read probably three books. I'll tell you something about reading for me. I picked it. I tried. I went to read. I'll tell you about think, something about reading. I went reading, to read. It sucks. Harry Potter. Like the first Harry Potter book. A children's book. Read and I was, I read the first the first paragraph and I said, they're just making up sounds. None of this is real. <laughs> and I threw that book away. I was like, forget it. I'll watch the movie. You know, the audiobooks, um, and we'll talk about this uh, when we talk about the movie, um, are all read by Stephen Fry, who plays the king in uh, Red, White, We're All Blue. Really? Yeah, he does uh, the audio. I thought he looks—he he looks a little like a cleaned-up Hagrid, like an old I can see Hagrid. That. You know, um, Hagrid's dead. But, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I can see. Well, that. before he died. Yeah, I can see that. So, um, <laughs> um, so I have to like to get to 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 get through in one sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, I I use I use the audio as a crutch and I read along. Yeah. Um, but I listened to it at your suggestion, actually. Yes, I know because we saw Brandon. We went to his um, we went to his book signing. Yeah, he party. had a, uh, the Orlando um, book release where he was doing a book signing at College Park Gallery, and um, we got a copy of the book, um, got him signed, and uh, uh, it was a it was a good event, great turnout, sold out. Yeah, and at that, you told him that we were going to read it and listen to it, and he's yes. like, oh. Let me know what you think of the audio version because he's, you know, he wanted some feedback yes. on that. Um, so it's it's impossible for me to get feedback on it because I said to you, I was like, you know, this is seven, seven and a half hours. And and you said, but it's not if you put it at 1.5 times. And so it's I even did. shorter if you do it at double time. Oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't read along that fast. Um, but it was interesting because now, to me, that's what Brandon sounds like. Because yeah. I listened to that voice for four hours, and I expect that that's yeah. what he sounds like. Something very like... interesting about um, listening to an audiobook of someone whom you have some sort of relationship with. I mean, we've talked about it's, it's a very public, you know, we just see him at events, we talk to him. But it's weird to listen to, and I imagine that our family and friends who I know listen every week probably feel the same way. It almost feels like you're hanging out with them. So Brandon Wolf's walking around with hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many people listen to the audiobook, people who feel like they just hung out hung out with Brandon right. for four to six hours, and he's walking around like, I have no idea who the hell you people are. Uh, it's a yeah. very weird feeling, because I honestly felt like I hung out with Brandon this I, whole week. I mean, I feel like, I mean, this can't be true, what I'm about to say, but I feel like I know him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just think that that's just a, a good sign of how good this book is. Yeah. And I, I'll just say this about his book signing event. I'm I'm disgusted with myself that I didn't read it before that. Yeah. To like have an opportunity to, to, to say face to face to him, you know, the impact that this book had. on Now, me. before we get into the book, I do want to talk about um, listening to the audio book. Because uh, I, I did recommend listening to it at one and a half speed. And I started off listening to it. And then I don't know why I started just slowly increasing it till I got to double speed. And 
if you start slow and slowly, it's sort of like that frog in a pot. If you slowly turn up the speed, uh, yeah. you can follow along and retain the whole thing. But for the most part, I listened to it at time and a half. And then about three quarters of the way in, I turned it back to regular speed. <laughs> and he honestly felt like I was hanging out with drunk Brandon. It is so <laughs> slow and sounds slurred to me. Because it's uh, speed and a half, if you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin, he does that very fast talking back and forth. That's what it sounds like. Like you're in an Aaron Sorkin TV show and Brandon Wolf is just rambling off yeah. his, his information to you. When you dial that back to regular speed, I was like, ooh, Brandon, you had a couple of drinks. Because uh, it's, it's, it's very jarring to go from time and a half to regular speed. And I've done that with several audiobooks. It's not just Brandon. Everyone who reads a book after you've listened time and a half um, sounds like they've been drinking. Yeah, during the editing process for Greetings from Queertown, um, we would watch it at half speed Yeah, to, to, to make notes or to try to get time points and everyone sounded wasted yeah and it was hilarious it's and i mean i don't this is a very serious book so i don't recommend doing that with this book but find a fun book listen to it at speed and a half and then about halfway through switch it back to regular speed and it it's wild wild <laughs> drink along with them it sounds like you're having a somebody's telling you a story while y'all are drinking i wish that i had had known that and i had started the book at normal pace and then gradually got up to one and a half because i started at one and a half and i was like oh, oh my god i can't keep oh yeah if you start at regular speed and just gradually go up it's really easy to follow along but by the end i was i mean yeah. well i mean after the first 20 pages i was dead and i'll tell you what i didn't anticipate sitting down and listening to it all at once yeah uh, but i just i just got interested and it and i stopped looking because i look at i just don't i'm not a reader you know i mean which is weird because you know watermark yeah but i read watermark and as you learned the last staff meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so the um the to to look at a book, you know, and say, Oh, I gotta get through all these pages. Uh, but it was just it just flowed yeah. and I was interested and I, I didn't you know, it's also the thing that people do at church, right? You you get you get bored, so you start reading the program to see like check things off, like what yeah. am I gonna get out of here? Uh I didn't do that once uh during this. So um, that's a that's yeah. a good thing to say. About. He um for his first book I was blown away. Um, his writing style reminds me a lot of um, S.C. Hinton, uh, the person who wrote Outsider, The Outsiders, mm -hmm. Rumblefish. Um, it just has a very raw, um, like, you know, emotion to it that uh, that just makes you not want to put the book down or turn it off if you're listening to the audiobook. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and not that I didn't think Brandon was a would be a good writer. I was just shocked at how good this book was. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about that in the first five pages. I mean, I was really impressed in the first five pages, and I thought, well, I, I thought, why, why am I surprised? I mean, I don't there. I had no basis to be surprised because I've never read any. I mean, he's written press releases that yeah. we've gotten, but you know, he's done some op eds that you know yeah. we, we've we've run and that we've read and. Uh, press releases, yeah, but you, I mean, obviously you're not going to get a sense for uh, a person's ability to tell a story in those. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm super impressed. Really impressed. And and it, it, there's a thing with it when, when you're writing. I, I I guess the only way I can describe it is that the use of adjectives, mm -hmm. you know, which isn't something that I use in normal speech. I don't think many people do. Maybe it's weird. But I, I was reading this and after a couple of pages, I thought to myself, I will never write a book because I just don't 
I'll never write a book and I'll never be cast on a reality TV show because I don't use a lot of words. Yeah. Which is weird because we do this podcast. But if somebody asks me a question, I can answer it in probably five to seven words and that would be it. And I'll give you all the information I have in those five to seven words. I would like to say, I think that people in basic conversation just try to get all the information out and they don't flower their words or they use a lot of adjective or, or draw out long stories. But I feel like I do that. <laughs> I feel like I can get stories out in like 10 seconds, but I take nine minutes to get them out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, I'm not like that. In fact, um, Jen will ask me a question and I'll answer it. And then she'll say, she'll ask me a question and I'll just say, I'm sorry, I'm not taking follow-up questions at this time. <laughs> or I'll say. You get the basic details. We're done. Or I'll say, yeah, like, I've given you all the information that I have. So it works yeah. for me. Um. Three things I noticed in this book. These are the three topics um, that I walked away with um, that uh, I found intriguing. Is his the feeling that he has imposter syndrome going to like speak at these events and speak in large crowds. And I totally get that. But he talks a lot about when he was sitting down to write this book about how he felt like he had imposter syndrome. And I think that anybody who writes anything, whether you write books, novels, news stories, columns, anything, there's a point in the process where you you're like get to that writing process where you're like i don't know how to structure this story this is so stupid i'm just going to quit my job and go do something else and why would anybody give a shit what i have to say in this and you get over that hump hopefully and then you write whatever you got to write and then you move on and uh, i just thought that that was interesting that he included that part in the book do you think talking, he was just talking about writing or do you think he was talking about i think in general for i think it would imposter syndrome of everything sitting uh, yeah. down and writing a book and imposter syndrome of being somebody who, who is, has a voice and right. is an activist and has something to say um also um the survivor's guilt that he dealt with because uh we both have a uh, a friend who frequented pulse often and um knew a lot of people who were there and he went through a process of survivor's guilt because he didn't go to Pulse that night because he went and hung out with me and you for my birthday. And Brandon talks a lot about the survivor's guilt. And there were two particular stories that he tells in there that I was just thrown by. Um, first, that anybody would approach him and ask him these questions. And then one was uh, that was proposed to him by a journalist. And I was like, I couldn't imagine uh, proposing that question. But then I thought about it. And I was like, it's a, it's a very it's an important question which he deals with in this book but the first one is that lady at the uh party who came up and said do you feel lucky which is such a weird thing to ask somebody who lost their friends in a tragic manner like do you feel lucky that you know that you made it out uh and then the other one was i don't know that that i i mean i i remember that story but i feel like it was it was meant to be asked about something different, like in a different way. I don't think it was. Do you feel lucky to be alive? I well, I think that it was he interpreted it as, as kind of a layer. Do you feel lucky, like the life you got out of this? Um, but I got the feeling that it was. Do you feel lucky that you made it out, and now you get to do all these wonderful things? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which is a weird thing to ask somebody who survived a tragedy. That one's weird. Uh, and then the reporter asked him if you felt guilty. And knowing now, you read the, through the book and you get towards, because this is towards one of the later chapters, and you get to the point and you realize that Drew and Juan only went to Pulse because Brandon asked them to. And that um, initially they weren't going to go to Pulse. And there's this feeling of, 
this is all my fault. And this is that's what he dealt with and um, he's been dealing with. And it leads into um, what he, when we were at the event, he said was his favorite chapter of this book called Forgiveness. And learning to not only forgive yourself, but forgive other people so that you can move on in a relationship. And uh, I thought those were the three topics that really just was is like the big three things that I hope people take away from this book. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on those uh, as well. Um, the thing that I I think I have no basis for this because I'm not a I'm not a book critic, so I'm gonna say this, but mm-hmm. you know it's just my opinion. But I think it's a really good sign of a of a good book when it resonates with you. Yeah, you know, and I think our lives are completely different. You know, my life and Brandon's life, and I'm not at all trying to draw some parallel between those. But I could see, and it's so comforting to read something. When you see someone so out there in the community, so at the front lines of fighting for something, admit things that you feel in your own life, it makes you feel like maybe you're normal, right? So I thought that was really, really great and brave to do things like that. So when he talked about imposter syndrome, I just, it just really resonated with me. And, you know, when I was, I was made business manager of Waterer, I have a theater degree, okay? And I was the administrative assistant when I started here. And then when I, a couple of years in, you know, I was made the business manager of Watermark and there was a friend of mine who was working at Watermark at the time. And every time he would say, this is our business manager's office, the both of us would start laughing. <laughs> We're like, like, really me? And, you know, I mean, but I learned everything there was about this business. I totally earned that job and, and, and where I am now. But there's, you know, from time to time, this thing just sinks in. It's like, am I, is this for real? Is this yeah. Real? And so I really, I really like that uh, part of it. Um, the, the question that that reporter asked was such a monumental moment in this book to me. Yeah. It almost is like the climax of it, you know, and, and I, I will admit, I know that, that you love it to hear about when people cry and things, but I welled up about this because I, I have never really heard anyone give a detailed account of their experience at Pulse that night. Yeah. And so this was the first for me reading this. And I think, you know, I just want to make on a side note, that seems like a weird thing for someone like, like a journalist and the owner of the local LGBTQ publication to not have heard a story like this before, because we made, for better or worse, we made a conscious decision to not go after these stories. We open our door if anybody wants to come and tell them to us, but we're not going to go knock on people's door and say, tell us what happened that yeah. night. So you know, so so hearing that, not knowing anything about that story, as soon as he put in there that he was texting them and said, "My ex, um, uh, my my ex is saying he wants to go out, and I'm going to go with him, and I need you to come with me to support me." I mean, my first thought was, "Oh my god, yeah, what must that? What must it be like for him now?" You know, and so when he's doing this, I, I got the sense it was a documentary. Um, that he was being answered because he kept referring to the guy as the director. Yeah. And the director said, um, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, and, and then he said to him, I'm going to ask you a question. And if it's too hard, don't answer yeah, it. Yeah, feel free not to answer it. Yeah. He says, yeah. And then he just said, do you feel guilty? And Brandon's reaction to that, I mean, I felt that, yeah. you know, and that he just started crying and they had to turn the cameras off. And that he, like, it, it almost seemed like, I mean, if this was the movie, you know, this is the moment at which that character just says, you know what? 
I'm going to forgive myself for yeah. this and, and, and starts to deal with that and process that out loud and, and actually say a response to that. I thought it was fantastic. I really liked it. And then the other part is kind of what you're alluding to about forgiveness. When, I mean, I feel like I was right there. I was right there with him. In fact, Aaron Sorkin should write the, he should, he should actually write the movie script of this and, and put this movie out there because it's, I mean, it's just that good. And everything that, that he went with it, he went through as a kid, um, you know, I, I think about that diversity week, Yeah. you know, when, when he's getting hate, all the hate that, that, that he can get in his life for being black and queer and, and trying to make something out of that. And then going home, feeling completely alone, sitting at a dinner table, telling his family what happened to him at school and what he was called and, and, you know, having to sit there while people tell you you're going to hell and what you're doing is destroying their religion and then to go home and tell that to your to your father and her father's response is, do you think they have a point? Yeah. yeah. I was like, I mean, I just felt that with him. So then to get through this journey to the end um, where... Where his father wants him to take him to Pulse. Yeah, and says, you know, or admits that, that I wanted to protect you and I didn't do, I didn't do that. Or like what I thought I was doing right for you wasn't right. And and things like that, they get me yeah. like you wouldn't believe it. If I like it's like watching that movie Stella where <laughs> where where uh Bette Midler's on the outside looking at her to die getting married and I'm like and she feels like she let her down and I'm like, duh, it breaks my heart. So to read that story just really grabbed grabbed me. Yeah. If if uh Aaron Sorkin is, is watching or listening. Um, I did ask Brandon when we saw him at the event. I was like, if your book ever got turned into a movie, who do you think should play you? I don't know why I'm fascinated by this question. Like, who, anybody's life who's turned into a movie, I want to know, who would you like to see played uh, play you? Um, and he suggested for uh, Dylan Burnside from Pose. He plays, uh, if you've watched Pose, he plays Ricky in Pose. <clears throat> Which, uh, if you look up photos of him, I didn't see it. I think it would be a good one. Um, something else that he mentions in the book um, that I found um, kind of interesting is uh, how we all are just lost in our own insecurities and um, the body dysmorphia that we all have. I mean, I mean, everybody I'm sure has it, but specifically as gay men. Um, because as a bigger guy, I don't think... Um, I never processed the fact that Brandon, because, you know, he's a thin guy, he's a good looking guy, would go through this. And he talks a lot in the book about how um, he's just this skinny black queer kid and how he's self-conscious about how thin he is. And as someone who is not thin, it's just, it's very interesting to see it from that perspective, that we're all walking around with, as gay men, with these body issues. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that I can articulate this in a in in a coherent way. But again, it's just another example of of how you know you see this guy, you see this. He's very handsome, and he gives these incredibly impassioned speeches, and everybody everybody loves him, and you have no idea of what goes on on what his life is like, or what yeah. or what goes on in his mind, or his impression of himself. And, you know, and this book just opened that up and it's just, it's so, 
it it just had this such a profound effect on me to think about about that and just mm-hmm. think like because my i mean i'm just like you know here's this, you know one time we were in a meeting once because we both served on the board of uh, the one orlando alliance together and i'm not i'm not a good speaker i will speak good and um and i mean i have to really plan out my words which is why even writing that one page and watermark every other issue takes forever for me and um you know so i just said something in a meeting like does anybody not want to do this anymore and he was like well i wouldn't say it that way he's <laughs> like he's like what i would say is and, and he of course had this like beautiful way of saying it and i i was like i was just super impressed with that but you i would never have thought that um that he would look in a mirror and think you know that that he would have some body issue yeah uh, so it's such an i mean i really feel like it's just such an important book and again another important book that we'll probably never see the light of day inside of a classroom in florida because of the language yeah and the subject matter um yeah i agree with everything i do want to i want to point this out too i mean i can't tell you how much i like this book (laughs) And, and it's not because again we're not like best friends we don't we don't hang out i'm not you know it's just uh it's just so moving to me and in the very beginning the first words in it before well after the there's a page where it's like to drew who taught us to to love on the next page it's perspective is a funny thing and basically saying i'm about to tell you my story through my lens Mm -hmm. you know and i just think that that's just such a profound admission when you first start to tell a story you know, it just yeah. reminds me of when we were putting together Greetings from Queertown. And I said, this cannot be my memory of history. This has to be the actual history of this community. So let's try to get out there and find that. Because we are all, you know, we're, we're confined to what we know. Yeah. Or what we remember about our own stories, even. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, yeah I probably so have, cool. like, three or four more pages. Because I was really... I just really liked it. So I won't go into to too much of it. I probably hit it on a lot of it. But um, I will just say that before I was a fan, but now I'm invested. I'm invested in his future. He's got my vote, whatever he runs for. Yeah. That's yeah. all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good book. Um, it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. Anywhere... Any of your fine booksellers will have it. I mean, I was trying to think of, like, how do we talk about this in the sense of Rotten Tomatoes? Because it doesn't exist. So all we can really say is that it's it's a um, it's a bestseller on Amazon, right? Uh, yes. Amazon categorizes their, um, their books. Uh, obviously, you know, all the books have different categories. Uh, and it peaked at number one on um, uh, Amazon's top memoirs, top LGBTQ, uh, top uh, Black writers, um... I think a couple of others. But yeah, it's uh, it's selling pretty well. Doing yeah. pretty good for itself. Well done, Brandon. Well done. Um, apparently, it's doing so well that he can now afford to live in the nation's capital. Uh, he posted <laughs> up uh, <laughs> earlier today that he is leaving Orlando. Like that, might, that might have been more to do with his new job than it does the sales of his book. Possibly. I just think that the timing is convenient. He has a bestseller, and now he's moving to D.C. Um but yeah, so he'll be, uh, September 1st, he'll be heading up to D.C. Um, in his post, he says he can't talk about the job just yet, but he is moving for a job. Um, and we wish him all the luck. Yeah, and until I can't talk about it, but I know what it is. Did I tell you? I know what it is. Oh, okay. We, but we can't talk about it. <laughs> but we know. 
What if we did it? We, we don't know. We just want to be cool, damn it. All right. Um, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this next segment. Okay. So in 2019, a little off. Picture it. Picture it. <laughs> the White House, 2019. Uh, no, uh, Casey McQuiston is a uh, author. Uh, this was her very first book. It's called Red, White, and Royal Blue. Uh, I picked this book up during the pandemic. Um, I obviously things were super heavy then. I had just um, gotten over the hill of having COVID myself, near death, um, and uh, thought I was going to die. It was a pretty. It intense... was intense. It was within the first few months of the pandemic. Do you remember where... that? Remember when this? This is like remember when that sandstorm was coming over from from Africa, yes. and you had a scratchy throat, and I was like. Calm down, Jeremy. It's just the sandstorm. Yeah. And then no. I called and I was like, I don't feel good. I'm going to take a few days off. And uh, me and uh, Kathleen, our former business manager, went and got COVID tests done. And they both came back negative. Nothing against <laughs> the test that the center was using, but apparently they were false. Um, so I was feeling crummy. Took a couple of days but off. But this was in the beginning. And, yeah. and they everything had... Was, yeah, yeah. Everything was chaos. Nobody knew anything. The, test, the testing kits were like... 60% accurate I at best. thinking I had COVID. They might have given me an HIV test. I don't know. <laughs> Things were really crazy back then. Or they used the swab from somebody who tested positive and that's where you got it. Uh, that's, a, that's a joke. That didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. So, um, so yeah. So I had COVID. I was laid up. Um, I remember talking to, I think I was talking to you and Ryan on the phone. And I sounded a lot like this. Oh my God, you're like that. Why is it spicy? <laughs> and I just, I honestly thought. You death, sounded horrible. I thought death was coming. Um, and I got on the other side. And shit. <laughs> of, of death? Of the, I got on the other side of death. I got on the other side of sickness. Um, and shit was just getting real. My dad had just recently died. COVID was going on. Um, and so I was looking for. Something just escapism, some lighthearted stuff. So I Googled um, books to like um, lighthearted romance, uh, easy listening shit. stuff I could read. Is this is this a guilty pleasure of yours? Oh, my God. OK, so <laughs> like the, like like romance, muddy the like... definition of guilty pleasure is Jeremy reads red, white, and royal blue. Um, I just, I mean, like, just romance oh, the, in general. It became. Like, it, gay romance It became general. a guilty play. I had never read smut like this before. Not that this is smut. <laughs> Let me reiterate. Um, I had never read romance books. I was more of a uh, a memoir kind of guy. Like, I read Bo all of Bob Woods, Woods' books. And I read Pete Buttigieg's book. And I read his husband's book. And I read Hillary Clinton's book. I was more of like a memoir kind of guy. Was Stonehenge a big part of all those books too? Um, yes, they were. Um, so, oh, because no, 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 no Stonehenge. Um, so I, I saw this book. I saw it on a Barnes and Noble, and I ordered it to have it delivered, and it got delivered. And I read it in probably two days. It's like four hundred word, uh, four hundred pages or whatever. Uh, read it in two days. Couldn't put it down. Absolutely loved it. And I, I don't reread books. Like I'll read a book. That's great. I put it on my bookshelf and I leave it. I have read this book probably seven or eight times. I, I am obsessed. I, this book is Taylor Swift and I am a Swifty. That's how much I love this book. Wow. I am aware. That is a very 
very good analogy because <laughs> this this story is Taylor Swift and I am Rick. It is I'll harbor my feelings about Taylor Swift. Um I am aware that this is not Pulitzer Prize winning to kill a mockingbird citizen Kane shit. It's very lighthearted. It's very stupid. It's very fantastical, whimsical, never going to happen. Two gorgeous men. One is the, well, we'll get, let's talk about what the story is. Yeah, um, let's do that. Okay. So uh, it is a queer rom-com that is about Alex Claremont Diaz, who is the son of the first so you're only gonna go with a third of his name? No, that's his whole name. No, remember, oh, no, he remember had, he's got like. Oh, he has two more names. Yeah, I'm just going and with the basic the, name. That was. It's just there's a scene in there where yes. they're comparing who has the longest name. Oh my name. god! Okay, I and just want to say that that scene, and there are several in here. Um, several times I had to pause this movie, and. Um, no, not, I know what you. <laughs> no, not for that. Um, but I would squeal like a little girl. Who was like watching her favorite um, what, uh, uh, One Direction video? What do girls listen to? Uh, boy, uh, what's that uh, Asian band? The Korean K-pop. Um, I... Butter. No, not Butter. That's the song. <laughs> uh, what is their name? It's a number, isn't it? Jeez. Uh, there's like 43 of them in the. Yeah. Anyway, good lord, what a brain fart. Anyway, I'm too old to know. I I squealed so many times through this movie. And I had to pause it to blush and to dance around the living room in a giddy fashion. I was a stupid little girl watching this movie, and I loved every minute of it. So, um, uh, in that scene, um, Alex is talking about how many, or uh, I'm sorry, Prince Henry is talking about how many names. BTS. He has. BTS. That's what it is. And uh, Alex says, "Oh, I thought Alex Claremont." Ruiz Rodriguez, whatever his last name is. He has like nine last names. He thought I thought that was a mouthful. And Prince Henry goes, oh, he is. I had to pause the movie <laughs> because I was blushing. Anyway, we'll get to that part. So um, the movie is uh, the, uh, the first son, uh, first female president, uh, who is played by Uma Thurman, who just, it does not look right having a southern accent come out of her mouth. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, that's the, that's one of the notes that I that I had. I mean she's 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 fine. In she's it. an she's, awesome she's actress. Divine. I love her. She's delightful. Just, why? Because in the book she's from Texas and she has it specifically says in the book that um she Ellen has a, a southern accent. So I think that she was just trying to be Yeah, I got here. it. Uh, but definitely, I mean it I mean it was a it was a good accent. It's not like it was Kevin no, Costner no, no. in it's just, in Prince of Thieves. It's just weird seeing that accent come out of Uma Thurman's mouth when I've never seen Uma right. Thurman with a southern accent before. Um, and maybe she had, maybe she has a movie where she's done a southern accent I haven't seen, but I don't know. Hey, Uma, if you're listening and you've done a movie where you have a southern accent, Oh my God, Uma, if you're listening, I love you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no matter what your accent is. <laughs> I don't care what, what accent she uses. She's fantastic. So, um, um, so uh, yeah, so uh, he uh, goes to England because Prince Philip who, in, in, for all intents and purposes, is Prince uh, William. Yes. Um, I mean, this, in, it's, it's... It's very much William and Harry, yes. who these two guys are. The only difference is Prince Philip is a dick. And I'm sure Prince... I'm sure Prince William is not. Are um, you sure? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know the royals. I, was, I think so the only difference is, is that Prince Harry is not gay. That we know of. 
I will say, in real life, I don't know the royals, so I don't know if William is a dick, and I don't know if Harry likes them. <laughs> but in this movie, because he this could book, just be protecting the bloodline. True. Um, so Prince Philip, who is the William surrogate, um, he is getting married. So um, Alex and uh, his friend, whose name is I wrote it down here because I forgot it, um, uh, Nora is the granddaughter to the VP and they pal around and they both are sent off to attend the Royal wedding. That's who that is. Yes. She is the granddaughter to the, Oh, she's, she's president. not the publicist. No, 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 no. Okay. The publicist. Okay. What the one in the, when he says that he comes out and she's talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. And he, when he comes out, that's the same person. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was in this is us. Yes, she's a pub. She's she works at a PR firm, but okay. she is the granddaughter of the vice president. Okay, okay. They mention it once in passing during the movie, but it's it's a plot point in the. Is book. the vice president ever in this movie? No. Okay, I was, yeah. There's a lot that is left out because obviously you can't fit a full 400 page book into a two hour movie. But there's a lot that was removed that like diehard fans. Well, were. then if if there's a lot that's left out, they made some very questionable choices. Um. So anyway, in the book, um, Alex has a sister, and it's the three of them, Alex, June, and Nora pal around. They're called the trio. And June is completely removed from this book, which is a travesty. But whatever, I get it. Too much to, to, to fit into a movie, whatever. So they go to England for the royal wedding. Alex and Henry have beef with each other from a past uh, interaction, and... Alex gets drunk, as everyone would expect the son of the president to do at a royal wedding, and approaches Henry to find out why he's such a dick to him all the time. Um, there's a little bit of an altercation. Go ahead. I just I just want to point out, because uh -huh. you said that he got drunk out there, and I'm going to just describe it in a different way. The American rebel youth got wasted <laughs> in England, which is pretty much as crazy stereotypical as you can get. Yeah. And and then um and then annoyed the uppity classy. Listen, we're, royal. before we get further into this story, <laughs> I just want everyone to be aware that no one is of any thought that they are breaking new ground with this movie <laughs> and that they are not following a In fact, the story, formula in the story that you're about to tell is foreshadowed so poorly <laughs> two minutes before because it's this ginormous cake and somebody thousand dollar giant wedding cake. right and, and and they do they say how much it costs and mm -hmm. how much it weighs and yep. immediately you're like there's the cake somebody it's front and center somebody's gonna be wearing that now i just want to say anybody other than rick because apparently he did not get this memo Going into this, don't expect some Oscar-winning film. That's not what this is. This isn't... Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain. Or what one? Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Although I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure somewhere in this movie someone said, I can't quit you. Ah. I have very specific things to say about this, but I want to put your mind at ease. Yeah. I did enjoy it. Yeah. I, so I, I, you know, that's fine. I just want I to point out, there's, there's definitely some moments that you can make fun of. Oh, so, absolutely. This, the, and I will say up until they get together is when you get most of the cheese. If this was a pineapple casserole, 
from the opening to before the two get together is the cheese layer. Uh, the rest of it is pineapple mixed with some Ritz cracker. Um, and at the end, they pour some butter on there for good flavor. Yes. Oh, the butter was my favorite part. Yeah. Anyway, so um, the altercation, bump into the table, they fall over, cake falls on them, international incident. I don't know why, because this is even in the book, I don't understand why the first son and the spare, let's be honest, he's never going to be king, um, getting into an altercation at the wedding would put a trade deal between England and America in jeopardy. Like, that has nothing to do with anything. Well, I mean, it, it, it seems to make sense in the, in the, in the overwhelming <laughs> cliche that American rebel jerks ruin everything with their drinking then of course it plays into that i mean i thought it, uh, yeah and then he's the one who has to fly out there and make it all better oh but because when you really learn you the real his shirt off when you <laughs> i just want to say that like i this might be unfair mm -hmm. but i mean he's a very good looking guy you're talking about the american son yeah the, the president's son yeah. very good looking guy terrible actor <clears throat> <gasps> no, Terrible I thought actor. they were both delightful. He, the the British guy, who's not British at all, right? No, he is. He's really is he? Yeah. Oh, then he does all these other movies where he's not British. Yeah. Uh, not. Oh, okay. We let's get into that because I have that on my notes. First off, um, both of them have never publicly discussed their sexuality, nor should they be forced to. I think we went through this with Heartstopper. We don't need to force people to come out until they're ready. However, with Nicholas, who's the actor who plays Prince Henry. His last four or five roles, he has played either gay or bisexual. So I think he's trying to tell something, and he will come out if he comes out on his own time. If he's straight, that's great. He's just an ally. In that group of films, because I was going through his filmography, he's got four where he plays progressive, gay, or bisexual. And then he plays like this uber-conservative Trumpian soldier. And I'm like, so fucking confused. There's a movie that he's in called Bottoms. But yes. I don't think he's gay in that. Yes, he's bisexual. Oh, is he? Yes. Oh, okay. We should discuss that. We should that. discuss Bottoms. <laughs> I'd watch that. I liked him. Yeah. And so I would watch anything that he does. But I, I did look it up, and he has said that he's straight. Has he said yeah. it? I couldn't find anything that... I read a thing uh, that, that said, about it it said that well. he has he has said that he is straight. <clears throat> we'll I mean, see. I like straight people. It's okay. That's fine. It's whatever. I'm fine. In my mind, they're not even Nicholas. <laughs> and... Um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Taylor. They're not even yeah. Taylor Nicholas. They are Alex, and they are Prince Henry. And I, I read some uh, in some TikToks and read online that a lot of people felt like they didn't have chemistry. I don't think those idiots know what chemistry is. I thought these two played really well off each other. You know, I thought so too, to be honest with you. And I'll say that's one thing that I, I enjoyed about it is, of course, the chemistry is going to be a little different because they can't let on. Yeah. That there is also, chemistry between them. And I'll put them. this out there. If you watch this and you don't think they have chemistry, it's because you're homophobic. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry, I don't, <laughs> don't want to get too soon. Allegedly, you're homophobic. Um, so anyway, international incident. Um, Alex has to fly to England and they have to do a press junket to show that they've been best friends forever and that this was a misunderstanding. And... They start to, um, you know, they apologize to each other because they realize, you know, the first time that they met each other, they were going through a lot. Alex was just getting onto the public scene. 
Prince Henry's dad had just died and he was being forced by the uh, the the royals to go out and do like a, a, a tour, press tour. So they were in rough places when they first met and that's when they started to hate <laughs> each other. So they get thrown... And, okay. There's like a... They're at a hospital. The metaphors in this are not subtle. They yeah. get thrown into the closet together. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, because of firecrackers that are set off in the hospital and they think it's a gunshot. Right. And, and so the Secret Service agent, who in this movie, is delightful. Oh my god. Here's one thing I want to say. While I adore Alex and Henry in this, all of the female characters surrounding Alex are fantastic. Love Uma Thurman. Love... Zara, yes. No, yes. I'm sorry. There's one, and I'm going to point it out. You're, that you is, hated Zara, didn't you? Is, is the she, press secretary? Is she the one? Or the um, chief of staff? Is she the one who who's had the most vile things to say to him when she... No one would talk to a prince that way. I'm sorry. And what she had to say was... Um, she basically was calling him a slut. The prince. When? When, when she finds when, him in the when closet? When she finds him in the closet, and they come out there. And I get the whole, like, oh, as a... As a chief of staff in an election campaign, I have to be upset about this. So she is. But when he said something and she's like, you don't have to say anything or you whatever. And just, I forget the words she used, but it was this horrible insult. I don't um, think anything she said was insulting. I'm, 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 you know what I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to find the quote and I'm going to post it on our Facebook page. Okay. And so everybody can, But there was something that she said, which it was out of character for the entire show. And I thought somebody should have caught that and, and pulled that out. Because first of all, nobody would talk to the prince that way. And um, it's just, it was so, it was, it was, especially when like, okay, gay sex is a sensitive um, subject. Mm, you're reading too much into this. No, I mean, I'm just telling you that one line was, was it, I'm going to find it. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Anyway, I, um, I thought they all were delightful. The Secret Service agent, whose name is Amy... Um, in the book, um, she is a transgender person, and she's played by a transgender actress, um, which I thought was fantastic. She is delightful in it. Um, the interaction she has with Alex um, is delightful when they're talking about the dog. I don't even like dogs, but I thought it was all wonderful. So they get thrown in the closet. They work out their misunderstanding. And how big is that? While they're working out their, their, their thing. Yeah. I just talk about this closet. So the prince is laying down, yes. like, okay, and they're, like, next to each other. And then there's, like, what's the guy? I don't want to keep calling him the president's son. What's Alex. his name? Alex. Yeah. Alex is, like, so fidgeting and acts like he acts like they're in, like, a shoebox <laughs> and he can't move. I think and that I'm, is more he's trying to be annoying to Henry. Like, he's elbowing him and he's being a spoiled little brat. Well, mission accomplished. To perpetuating that that spoiled American stereotype. Moving along. So they get out of the closet. They find out it's fireworks. Everybody's fine. And part of the, uh, the press tour is Prince Henry now has to go to Alex's New Year's Eve party. Which again um, is weird. It's on the lawn of the White House. So they pitch a tent on the lawn of the White House. And they're like, yeah. Bring in all your cell phones. They've all got cell phones. All these fucking kids just bouncing around, drinking. I'm like, okay, so I, I, I can suspend disbelief for stupid movies. I watch a lot of cheesy movies on Netflix and uh, the Hallmark Channel during the holiday season. It's great. It's fun. I can pretend that, it, that certain things happen in these movies that don't happen in the real world. But they are not 
for security purpose, going to pitch a tent on the front lawn of the White House. Have have you ever have seen a, a tent but on the front no. lawn of the White House? Ever. No. no. How dare for a you bunch of, as the first, for a bunch of twenty somethings as the first to have a female party. president to let this happen. I thought better of you, Uma. I thought better. <laughs> anyway, so they go to the party. I suspended my disbelief that this would even happen. They get there. Uh, Prince uh, uh, Henry and Alex, they're having a good time. You can see Henry is feeling like, you know, Alex is showing attention to this girl. And he's like, oh, I don't know how to handle this. Midnight strikes to New Year's Eve. He kisses a girl. Henry freaks out and he walks out. To this weird Game of Thrones looking tree in the snow. I don't know where the, this is. Apparently this is the White House in Narnia because there's such fantastical side areas of the White House that the, don't exist. The most CGI snow <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie. Now I gotta say, um, my biggest gripe with this movie is the green screen and the special effects. For certainty, it's like, dude, you're Amazon. I know you've got like $55 billion. Loosen the purse strings. Get, them, <laughs> get Peter Jackson's team in here to do whatever green I think strings. that would have been too much. I mean, like you said, this is this is a certain genre of movie. And I think they, yeah. they, they played to it very well. Yeah. And I will say, with all of that, I still watched this movie about nine times in the last week. And I'm obsessed with it. And I'm not ashamed of that. So anyway, Prince Henry, Henry is standing out by this magic tree. And uh, Alex walks out. And for some weird reason, they're alone. The Prince of England and the son of the President of the United States have no secret service and no security who are following them. They're alone under this magic White House tree. And then Henry confesses to Alex that he's got, you know, he can't love who he really wants to love. And Alex is like, I don't know what you mean. And he's like, uh, you're so daft which is a British slang. And then he kisses him. And I had to pause the movie and scroll like a little girl. And I was like, oh my God, he kissed him. And then I... But she read the book nine times. I know. Was coming. But there's a lot of changes in the book. I didn't know if he was going to kiss him right then. Anyway, so... <laughs> so Henry's like, oh no, what did I do? And that was my British accent. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was like, I was like, is that his Southern accent? <laughs> Bollocks, I kissed him. I'm going to run away. And he leaves. Oh, so he's. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but the prince. The prince is upper class. That was a little too light to do at all. <laughs> I kissed him. Out, here out I, I go. He gets in his car. He flees. He goes back to England. And Alex is like, what the hell just happened? So um, uh, he gets with Nora and they chat. And he's like, you know, uh, the prince is gay. And she's like, of course he's gay. We all know that. He's. What did she say? He's as gay as like the first ten rows of the Gaga concert. Oh my god, I wrote it down. <laughs> oh, did you? Was that homophobic for you too? <laughs> no, I loved it. I wrote down some things that I enjoyed. <laughs> I like I like that she described him as first twenty rows of a Gaga concert gay. Yeah, yeah, I and did that, that made me laugh. Um, what other one did I? There was another joke. Oh. I chuckled when he said his NDA is bigger in a uh, innuendo manner of uh, as if his dick was bigger. There's a lot of dick jokes in here that made me giggle. I'm like that's why I, I, I referenced Stonehenge earlier. Oh, the, the Stonehenge. first time that they got together after that kiss, he had, um, Prince Henry had a heart. Yeah, and, and they called it uh, Stonehenge, or he yeah. called it Stonehenge. Yeah, and then Alex called it Big Ben. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just something. I, I get that they're stupid. It's a stupid movie, but it, you know what? It restored I, my, my, my love of romance is what this movie did. Well, anyway, I gotta say, that's a tall order because that is, you have a I'm pretty black hole of an abyss of, of a romantic inclination. Uh, let me scroll to where we are in my notes. Um, okay, so, uh, oh yeah, so they, they uh, um, uh, let's see, da, 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 da. they become friends. Oh yeah, so um, Henry flees. And then the next uh, meeting, or when they're going to see each other, is at a White House dinner uh, for the British Prime Minister. And Prince Harry is coming, because apparently Prince Harry goes wherever the Prime Minister goes now. So they're having this big dinner. I just want to point out that it's, I think it's Prince Henry. What did I say? Harry. <laughs> I was like, I just want to make sure that we all understand. We're not, we're not talking about real people. Freudian slip. Okay. <laughs> um, Henry. Um, so, uh, at this dinner, there's Miguel, who is this journalist who Alex hooked up with sometime in the past. But only, like, made out with, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Naked in a hot tub, made out. When they, okay, uh, based on the movie, I think this is the terminology they decided on. Hooking up means kissing and possible oral sex. Making love is intercourse <laughs> i think we should make love tonight. i'm so glad that he laughed at him for saying that. yeah i think we should make love um so we'll get there uh so um alec or uh prince uh before prince uh henry gets there miguel comes up miguel is a new character he's not in the book <clears throat> there's a whole subplot that was taken out of the book uh, or taken out of the movie that's in the book about how it gets leaked that these two are together but to to have it all more streamlined, they introduce this journalist. I, I just think that the director hates journalists because June in the book <clears throat> is an aspiring journalist. And she has a whole subplot about how she wants to be a journalist and doesn't want to be a part of her mom's campaign and campaign for her because she wants to maintain journalistic integrity. He throws that out, gets rid of June. And then there's this subplot of the Republican nominee who is in with a gay democratic senator who is a idol of alex's and they kind of um are working to try to get alan out of office and in that process is how the emails get leaked they got rid of all of that and they said let's get a dirtbag journalist <laughs> to dump these emails because he just cares about getting the story and it's like dude why do you think hate journalists so much yeah i mean that was pretty transparent the the thing is is you could tell from the first moment that journalist yeah. that he was the one but it's because he was jealous yes. it wasn't because he wanted to get the story he was jealous of the relationship so he leaked the emails yeah uh, it was just terrible terrible addition i mean when i talk about how how like they're like of course it was so cliche that these two characters were so like american badass and and royal guy and then of course the cake was going to fall on them of course the journalist is going to be the one that leaks this like yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's all very right down the hallmark road i get that it's funny that you say that because i want to point out that I, yeah. I, I noted that it's the best hallmark movie made by amazon that i have seen <laughs> that's the best <laughs> review i can hope for <clears throat> so they're at this dinner henry walks in um, Alex goes to Amy, his secret service agent, says, I need to speak with Henry alone. 
She says, the best I can do is get you in the red room. He gets him in the red room, which I, I don't know if this is why they did it in the red room, um, but it cracked me up because I'm a huge fan of Moulin Rouge. And that's where Satine fucks people is in the red room. So that cracked me up. So anyway, so um, they get in there and they start making out. And I don't know if anybody else will find this hilarious, but every time I've watched this movie, I crack up at this because the look on his face cracks me up. But Amy comes into the room and says, all right, your time's up. And they're making out and they stop. And Henry starts looking at the book like he's trying to find a particular title. And he has the dumbest look on his face. And it cracks me up every time. So they go back out. Prince Henry still has a heart on, which he calls uh, Stonehenge, and that uh, Alex calls Big Ben, and then he's like, at midnight, you're going to come up to my room, and I'm going to do some very naughty things to you, and then he goes, his, they part ways. Fast forward to up at uh, Alex's room, they start to make out, um, they, oh, Alex's shirt open, he gets pushed down on his little couch, Henry, you know, falls out of frame, they're stuck on Alex's face. Henry is obviously, you know, to Alex and um, cut to post-coitus. I feel like we've had this conversation before as to what means. Oh, that that means oral sex. Yeah, I think we've talked about it on this podcast, too. We might have. Yeah. means oral sex. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they finally agree that um, they like each other, they want to do this again, but they have to keep it on the DL. At, at the risk, I would just want to say, at the risk of taking longer than the movie to describe <laughs> it, I think we might want to pay attention to that. I have six minutes. Okay. Go. <laughs> Next scene. They go play. Uh, he invites Alex to watch him play polo. He plays polo. They go into the stables. Boom. They fast forward to Paris. They decide to make love. Alex says, I want to make love. Okay. Here's the thing that made me blush and giggle like a little girl as I'm watching this because I didn't notice this on the first viewing, but like on the sixth and seventh viewing, I noticed some of these things. So they decide to make love. And by this movie, make love means I want intercourse sex. So um, obviously it's a, a movie that is not a pornography. <laughs> what a lovely film. way you describe it. <laughs> it, is, it means they want to have intercourse and sex. <laughs> it's not a pornography film so they're not going to show it but I, I don't know if you noticed this but the scene starts out um, first of all get hot <laughs> Alex slides his hand down uh, or I'm sorry uh, Henry slides his hand down Alex's back and he gets this small of his back and then he just gives him a gentle push <laughs> and I had to pause it it's it is an interesting thing to see, like, to see, like, a lovemaking scene yeah. in an LGBTQ movie. Because, you know, the there's the prince lying yeah. on his back with his knees, knees up to his yeah. ears. That key, oh, to be that key. That key was just dangling there as those two were doing their thing. But he does the little, uh, and uh, then it cuts to their hands. And, and, and Henry has his hand out, and Alex slides his hand into his. And then they lock fingers. That's how it starts. Then they go. To That's the, the love part. The whole the moaning thing. At the climax, um, you see they cut back to the hands. The hands are locked in. Uh, Henry's hand opens tense. You know what just happened? And Alex slides his hand out. That's the dicks. <laughs> That's symbolism. 
The hands are the dicks in the ass. I want to go back. I would like to go back to a previous statement you said to me. I think you're reading too much into this. No, I know I'm right. I want to. I want to find this director. Ask him the inserting the hand in, locking, and then sliding then, out. Then do you want to go back to your previous statement that this is not smut? I mean. <laughs> It's romance. They were making. You know what's so funny is like we watched this film. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up for you. Yeah. So they make love. Yeah. The emails come out. Everything's up in shambles. It's a week before the presidential election where the where where the Alex's mom is running for re-election, and then you've got the whole royal family that's like you're a disgrace. Yeah. You know we're not. This isn't gonna happen. And so they try to. Well, the the American side of it, she is very accepting of her son. And she's awkwardly accepting of him, making sure that he's... You know, I just want to say that I really love the little subtle um, education they slide here. So she's like, well, obviously, you know, if you're going to be having sex with somebody that you just met, we need to get you on True Bottom. Brilliant. And she's like, mm -hmm. if you're bottoming, we got to get you the HPV vaccine. I was like, yes, Uma. Did you... Let these guys know. And the fact that she said Truvada and not prep yeah. makes me think that there, there's nothing but product placement in this entire... All right, we all over the place. Um, so I think Travada paid for that. Um, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that too. Um, so then you know, she's accepting of it. Um, there's a whole sub story here where he just wants the family to know that he's valued and can add, add to her campaign. So she sends him off to Texas for a while where yeah. he's like, oh, we're going to flip Texas. So then, you know, everything comes out. It's a week before the election and he's got to give this speech to because you know they put him on the campaign trail all these emails that they've shared with each other are out there so he gets on the stage and he gives what i would think is probably one of the best parts of the movie it's the butter it's this it's the butter i, I love him mm -hmm. yeah this is not we should be able to come out on our own terms yeah. this but, isn't about smut or scandal yeah. this is about two people in love and being able to come out on their own yeah. terms despite our last 15 minutes of descriptions of this movie it is really a love story yes. that's fantastic about yes. about um i mean it's a fantastic love story yeah about the way life should be mm -hmm. and so you know um the in the beginning of this the prince told the american don't fall in love with me. Yeah. And so there's like, and you okay. Know he's gonna. I thought that the other guy was going to fall in love with him. But they ended up falling in love with each other. Mm -hmm. And they, um, and finally, you know, this prince stands up to the king, his grandfather, and. And his brother. And his brother, who is a little of a twerp. What a dick. Yeah, he's a twerp. And, and, you know, what's so funny to me, here's a, here's a ridiculous part of the movie, okay? Okay. So there's this big scene where they're, where the king's like, you're going to, we're going to tell everybody this is a lie. You shut up, American. You shouldn't be speaking. None of this. And then the, somebody comes in, apparently pro, like supportive protesters, not protesters, but they're there to support. Yeah. A rally. Fans. A rally starts a rally up starts, in front of Buckingham Palace. And the king says, um, you guys leave now. Like, the crowd was so big. How were they going to get out of there without noticing the crowd? That was oh. just so dumb. Because they, they got, got tunnels. Yeah, it's Buckingham Palace. These Brits have ways Come to get on. out. I mean, as Henry told Alex, I'm going to get you a book on British history. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. I got to give you that one. It was funny. Um, so yeah. then they all live happily. So ever then after. they go out to the balcony. They do their wave. And oh, and, 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 they, and they recite. They, Uma wins the second term. They, they perform Evita. And spoiler alert. They Uma. turn Texas. Yes. Texas is blue. It, it goes down to Texas. Rachel Maddow uh, and um, Joy Reid make uh, cameos, cameos in this. Um, the only thing I want to say quick, because I... Ooh, we're right at 1.30. 
Um, I want to say um, during the making love scene, they did it twice. And here's how I know. When they cut to the post-coitus scene that every rom-com has after they've had sex, if you look, there's two empty condom wrappers to the left and there's a bottle loop to the right. And I was like, good for you boys having safe sex. But they did it twice. <laughs> I, Dylan pointed that out. Did he? Yeah. He's like, oh, two condom wrappers? I was like, okay. I was like, hopefully they weren't dumb and like double them up because this is a no-no. No, 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 no. I'm sure they each put one on just in case. You don't know where the night's going to go. All right, so I did not know. I, I can't tell you what my expectations were mm -hmm. going into this, but I can tell you what they were five minutes into it. Because I just want to point this out. I yeah. love Rachel Hilson. She is the one that plays the, yeah. apparently, she's related to the vice president. Yes. Um, yes. Nora. She, she was in This Is Us. I love her in that. I think she's great. I'm going to tell you what she said to him. Because they're having a conversation. I feel like they're having a conversation where she hooked up with some guy, mm -hmm. and she was telling him about it, and he didn't approve of it or something like that. And she said... Don't yuck my yum. Oh, yes. In the beginning. No, when he's talking about how he doesn't want... Um, um, they're talking about how he doesn't... He's not into this whole thing that's going on. And how she's, like, really digging it. She's like, don't yuck my yum. Okay. And I'm like... And I love... Everything she says in this movie, I wanted more of her. I loved her. No, that 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 right there says, mm, was this written during the writer's strike? No, I loved it. Oh, I thought yuck it was my hilarious. Yum. And then the other thing is when he's talking to his dad, uh, Alex is talking to his dad, who was... Which time? When they're, uh, when he's smoking the cigar or when they're at the... I don't know. It's When he, sa he says this word, these words, you've watched it nine times, you've got to know this, yeah. right? He says, you tell those agricultural mofos, uh, blah, 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 blah. That's I was when like, they're smoking the cigar. I was like, mofos? Who says that? Mofos. Like, here's, I said I, that when I was in the eighth grade. Here's the funny thing with Mofo, because there there is some inconsistencies in this movie. That it's not sure if it wants to be a Hallmark, young adult, goody-two-shoe Disney Channel movie, or if it wants to be a Skinamax film. And it's trying to be both. And I can recognize that it is trying to be both. I can't help that the source material has led left me the inability to dislike anything in this movie. <laughs> I am incapable of not loving anything I mean, in this it's, movie. I mean, it's your air supply. I get it. it. Is, oh my God, it is. I get it. There's nothing that, no, no amount of shame or anything someone throws at me is going to make um, me not like I have air to say, the scene when, um, uh, when the emails are leaked, they're not allowed to talk to each other, and Zara, who you find out is secretly sleeping with um, Alex's, I forget what the British term is, but his butler. Um, <laughs> he's like he's like a butler. <laughs> so he's he's like she's like bring him the phone, and he says hello, and he says baby. My dark heart cracked open, and I something was there, and then he's like I, I need you here, and he says I will break the sound barrier for you. I learned to love again. That scene. <sighs> I do you learn to, to love again? Did the guy who wrote Armageddon write this? <laughs> Because it reminded me of that that I song from Armageddon. <laughs> like, I don't want to close my eyes. Like, I will break the sound barrier for you. Alex, and then, I, then all of a sudden that music starts playing. I know head. how cheesy and terrible and hokey it is, but I lapped it up every time. I love it. I gotta it. tell you, if you're, if, it, it, it definitely is that. By the time, by the end of the movie, I was invested. I'll just yeah. say that. I was interested in it. And I, I mean, it's a good movie. I would, if I was forced to watch it again, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> if, if I'm flipping through the stations and it's on, I'm going to watch it. This whole weekend, it, you know how when you put something on just to be your background noise? 
it has been my background noise all weekend. Yeah. Um, Harry mm. Potter at Jen's house. Mm, yeah. Nonstop. Um, I all right, wish so let's... there were eight movies of this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure our listeners wish there were two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so let's Rotten Tomatoes this. Okay. This is going to be one of those where it's like the critics are horrible and nobody... They're terrible. Um, they I would be. I would be the critics. You were the critics. <laughs> I, I, the, I guarantee you, anybody who wrote a review of this on Rotten Tomatoes as a fan is obsessed. So, I'm going to say like 99% uh, for fans or for audience. Also, let's keep in mind that 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 conservatives will hate this. Ooh, 97. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> There's a three percent um, conservatives have too much time on their hands. Um, but I mean. This really is the Taylor Swift of movies, where, like, the Swifties or the Royal Bluers, uh, I don't know what our names are, um, come out in force to support this movie. 97% from I, a, there's a There is a distortion of scale in that, <laughs> in that, in that analogy, but, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I have been on uh, message boards for air supply fans. Yeah. And you would think that air supply is the end on beyond. Then you step outside of that board and you realize that that board is a very small oh, yeah. portion. There is a so there's not, I'm we're not talking Swifty level fans. For this book? This book? I'm not Swifty level. Okay, but yeah. the intensity is there. But, but the not, intensity is yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a best a New York Times bestseller. This movie, <laughs> I mean, this book, Soul is like crazy, had a moment during the pandemic. But it is not Swift level. Now, Tiger, the Tiger King was also very popular. If fandom. Taylor Swift could come out and show her support for this book, I know that me and all the fans of this book would really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say audiences are awful, horrible people who probably, like Miguel, would rather see these two destroyed. And it's probably that like a 55. Wait, critics? Critics, 55. Audience, 97. Okay, 81 for critics. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's better than I thought they did. And, and a 94 for audience. <gasps> oh, yeah. All right. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. A lot more Trumpier, Trumpers on uh, Rotten Tomatoes than I thought this week, but okay. Um, I will say that the numbers are out, and it's only been out for a couple of days, and it's already the most watched movie that Amazon Prime has ever had, so. Really? Yay. <laughs> Apparently, apparently, my viewing. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, is this like what they say that American Idol they had the most votes ever, and like somebody voted a million times? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you probably just have it set to repeat, even when you're not there. It's playing. It's you're currently. Like, it's gonna get an Oscar. All four, all four televisions in my house are currently running it simultaneously. <laughs> Somebody's walking away with an Emmy. Um, there was a um, a special edition of the book that was released shortly after kind of the craze of it uh, with an additional chapter. So real quick, I will give you the update for the book. The chapter is told from Harry's point of view. Or, ooh, Henry's point of view. Um, after they go into his house and it cuts to credits. Um, down the road, um, they end up moving to Brooklyn together. And uh, Alex goes to college to become a lawyer, and Henry goes into uh, charity work, and uh, they own an apartment in Brooklyn. So, in case you were curious what happened to them afterwards. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. So, unlike the line where he says, I'm not going to trade in one prison for another, he does. <laughs> Is Brooklyn a prison? I've never well, no, been. Because, <laughs> because that, obviously he's going to be a lawyer because he's going to be a politician. We'll see. 
You Look haven't read that it. book yet? There is no red, white, and royal blue part two yet. Oh, okay. But oh, the in the book they go. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, book. that's the, that's the, you know, they can't make a whole book in one movie. They gotta make three movies out of one book. I gotta tell you, this should have been a miniseries, because they left a lot of stuff out, and I need more than a two-hour movie. This should have been a ten-episode miniseries. <laughs> FYI. But it is, it's directed by Matthew Lopez. Uh, for those who are Broadway freaks, um, you know that he uh, won a Tony Award. He wrote The Inheritance, mm. that, um, that play, that revolutionized plays on Broadway a couple of years ago. That's what Wikipedia says. Um, <laughs> Wikipedia would know. He also wrote the musical uh, Some Like It Hot that oh, okay. was last year that won a couple of Tonys also. So he's a Broadway guy, um, and uh, I thought he made an amazing movie. Is that, that's not the guy who was in Smash, is it? No, that was Jeremy I... Jordan in Smash. Okay. Which the one? guy who wrote the musical... Yeah, that was Jeremy Jordan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no. We could go Jeremy Jordan. Oh, he wrote the um, hit hit list. He didn't write Bombshell. Right. So um, the guy Deborah Messing Bombshell. and and, and the, the guy who that's wrote that's different guy. Yeah, but that guy, he, he is connected to all the things you just said. Correct. He also won. But a he's Tony. not the guy. No, he's not the guy. But okay. he did win a Tony for playing Captain Hook in Peter and the Starcatcher. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, this has been a delightful conversation. We're going to wrap it up because we are... We're, Ooh, we're over time. We're, yeah. Uh, anyway, go out and watch the movie. Buy the book. Fantastic. And by book, I mean Brandon Wolf's book, but also by Red, White, and Royal Blue. Um, but uh, until then, I believe the cork is back in the bottle.